part by the Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center, providing comprehensive reproductive and sexual health services for all women of all ages at all stages since 1984. Insurance, main care, Deergo, and self-pay accepted. MabelWadsworth.org. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Healthy Options with your host, Rhonda Feynman, is up next. Good morning. Welcome to Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman. Our topic today is Ayurvedic medicine and yoga. Our guest is Deborah Keane. She's a Waterville native who as a teenager became aware of movement, the natural world, and holistic health, and all of this inspired her to explore the connections between mind and body, well-being, and spiritual health. From there, she leaped into the practice of yoga and studied several yoga styles from a variety of teachers nationwide. Moving along on her path, Deborah Keane became a registered yoga teacher, a certified Ayurvedic yoga specialist, and graduated from the Kripalu School of Ayurveda. And over the past 30 years, she has worked with individuals and has conducted numerous classes and workshops, effectively applying the time-tested traditional teachings of yoga and Ayurveda in the Mid-Coast and in other parts of Maine. And Deborah is the founder of the Ayurveda Yoga Center located in Liberty, Maine, where she teaches and practices. So, Deb Keen, welcome to Healthy Options today. It's great to have you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, and I appreciate you inviting me to be on your show. Great. Well, I, I think, why don't we, um, I know um, this is a, a new topic for some people. Other people will be very familiar. I mean, we know the, maybe some more of the yoga part, but the Ayurvedic part. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe you could start a little bit, tell us a, a little bit about Ayurveda. And, and, and I know we want, one of the things you do, you start with is a, a meditation. So I guess right. we could start right in with that. Or maybe... Sure. Just sure. give us a little a little sense of what Ayurveda is. I, I do want to say, though, if uh, people are driving, right. don't close your eyes. Right. Just listen. Right. Don't get too calm. <laughs> good idea. Not a good idea to close your eyes when you're driving. That, that's it. So, yeah, you know, I, I start all my offerings in this way. So it's a really beautiful way to begin. Just centering. So if you are at home or you're able to sit with your eyes closed, then do that. Just really feel your feet and whatever they're on in your bottom. And also if you're in the car, just be very present with how you're sitting and uh, driving. And then just begin to feel that things are relaxing. Let you relax your belly. And you relax your shoulders. Just soften your jaw and your eyes. And then begin to be aware of your breathing. And so nothing changes, it's just breathing in and breathing out through the nose. And then eventually, think of breathing into the low belly and the low back, and then feeling that breath rise up through the ribs, into the upper trunk, through the neck, into the head, and then just gently back down again. And so just a couple of those. This is called the complete yogic breath where we fill the bottom of the trunk first. So again, it's breathing into the low belly and the low back. And then as inhale continues, feeling the ribs flare. 
and the chest and the upper back fill right through the neck into the head and then back out again. And so this is just a nice simple practice to help ease stress. It's very good for digestion. It's very calming. It it invokes the calming and the cooling qualities of the parasympathetic nervous system. And um, it's very grounding. And a really quick way to ground is through the physical body. So really feeling what your physical body is in contact with. And so then if your eyes are closed, you can open them and Wow. There you go. Well, I think we're all ready to meditate now for about an hour. <laughs> but maybe, maybe we can, we'll see we can continue we doing that. Yes. That, mm. That's wonderful. <clears throat> and um, of course, so that is the, the parasympathetic nervous system is the, is the, the, the part that... Uh, the is rest and digest, the real calm anti-stress rather than the get up and the go that's right yeah so we need a little get up and go right now but we can really be in our we want to be in a we want to get up and go in a quiet calm way there you go yeah so that really is uh i would say uh, a a philosophy of the of uh, an ayurvedic uh, medicine yes tell us a little bit about what what how would you someone who's never heard about ayurvedic how would you ayurveda yeah, what would be would, a, okay. a, a good introduction for them? All right. So I would say that Ayurveda means the science of the study of life. And it really is the study of everything about life and living. Um, it's from India, and it's around 5,000 years old. It's a sister science to yoga. They go together. And Ayurveda is a holistic nature-based medic- medicine that considers the body and the mind and the soul and the senses in the healing process. And it draws from a very deep understanding that everything in existence is related to everything else. So nothing happens in isolation. And it also draws from the understanding that Mother Nature has these cycles and rhythms that really govern life and that we as human beings or natural beings are governed by these same rhythms and cycles. And that our health and well-being is dependent upon being aligned with nature's seasons and rhythms of the day and the timing. For example, one of my teachers, Dr. Lele, one of his prescriptions for health, he would say for us to rise with the, uh, the birds and the sun and to sleep with the moon and the stars. And then to eat our main meal in the middle of the day when the heat is usually the strongest, which means our heat, our digestifier, is the strongest. So that's just a simple example about how to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. And Ayurveda draws from the five element theory, different, similar but different than the Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. So we have the space or ether and the air and the fire and the water and the earth. And All things in matter contain these elements just in different proportions, which means we also contain these five elements. And it is these elements and their qualities that Ayurveda looks so closely at. The qualities being hot and cold or heavy and light or dry and moist or smooth and rough, those things. So all things in matter contain these elements. It's just in different proportions. 
and Ayurveda views each of us as very unique. We're, there's no, we're all different. And it's based on these five elements that we all have them, but they're in different proportions. For example, where we're sitting here, the paper in front of me is definitely lighter than the table that is under the paper. So it's like that. So we all have these elements. They're in different proportions. And that is what is responsible for our makeup, for our physical body, for our minds, for how we move, how we think, how we feel, and um, for our fundamental constitution which is formed at conception. So that's what Ayurveda looks very closely at, is the elements with their qualities and, and that our natural state of health is at conception. So whatever their proportions and the energies that were with us when we were conceived, that's our balance point. And then when we look at what, is, what are the imbalances, what are the signs and the symptoms going on, we want to come back to that original state of that natural wellness. So what has become aggravated? Have we come heavier for some reason? Have we become lighter? Are we dry? And then that's what Ayurveda looks at, the root causes. So it's a very much a preventative medicine. It really helps teach us how to um, understand ourselves and how to take care of ourselves. And teaches that it really is the way we live day in and day out that matter the most terms of how we you know our health so if you would have uh, each individual faced with similar situations then will react differently based on the balance in their bodies absolutely so, right and right. so how as a if, as a practitioner do you assess those kinds of balances or imbalances in an individual mm-hmm. well i do for me, I prefer to sit one-on-one. Sometimes there's phone, but I like to sit with a person because there's the observation that's just taking in their physical makeup, the coloring, the eyes, you know, just all of that, the body structure, the bone structure, and the way that they present themselves when they're sitting. And just so there's that, the observation. Um, lots of questions it's just a conversation like you and I are having right now like how are you and what's going on in your life and are you satisfied with your life and your work and what do you eat and what is your sleep like and what are your bowels like how is your digestion and do you have anxiety or do you have insecurity or are you depressed do you have dry skin or dry hair and on and on and on like that and then there's pulse diagnosis, again, feeling for the qualities, the energies, not the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And then there's looking at the tongue. So that's how, and then according to the way that that consultation goes, that conversation goes, there's a lot of information that can be obtained because it's true. Someone that has some kind of condition going on, the protocol could be very different than someone else who has the very same condition Mm -hmm. but for a different reason well this sounds familiar i'm sure it does does. (laughs) yeah it's so interesting i i you know looking at these traditional yeah um concepts you could really see that the i think the books were passed around and each culture right created their their way based on their cultural exactly history of of looking at, at, at these things yeah, And, you know, it's interesting. One of the first things I learned um, was the Western medicine model, which we need for sure, but it's more data-based. It's more scientific-based. 
where the Eastern philosophy is really from a direct experience. It's just, it's not something that's gained, it's just from our own direct experience. And Ayurveda and probably Chinese medicine right. too comes from the rishis, the seers that sat in that's nature right. for eons and observed. And that is where this information comes from, their own direct experience. And I'm uh, always amazed that thousands of years later, it is as relevant as it was exactly when it when it first uh, right. was uh, taught. Yeah. So, tell us uh, what what is the um, what does it look like in, in, in for imbalances? I know there there's some ideas that uh, uh, that I've been reading. Well, you can tell us about it. That there are, there are ways to talk about people and and their the, the doshas? doshas. Yeah. What's mm -hmm. what's what are those? Mm -hmm. So the doshas, really dosha, the actual meaning of the word dosha means at fault or mistake. And it's often confused with when somebody says, well, what is your dosha? So we have this fundamental constitution. It's called prakriti. That we're born with. That we're born the with. One and it's formed at conception. Right. And then we have our current condition, which is vrikriti, meaning really what's out of balance. So the word dosha actually is more accurately said. It's more to out of balance. But... Having said that, we can say that doshas really are a way to talk about these elements, the proportions within all things, including ourselves. So if we look at someone that has a pretty solid frame, they're pretty sturdily built, and they don't have to be, but there's a lot of earth and water, say, in their constitution. That's a kapha. The, the structure of the body and the lubrication and the, uh, the tissues. A little puffy, maybe? Not necessarily. No, no, oh, good. No, just a really solid person. Someone mm -hmm. with a lot of kapha in their constitution. So the dosha is just to go back, vata pitta kapha. A lot of people are, are familiar with those words. So the kapha person, and we all have, I will just say that we all have all, we all have a bit of it. There's rarely a person that's just one one of these so-called doshas. So most people are a combination. They're either a vata pitta or a vata kapha or so forth. So you just staying with... Kapha with pitta rising. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or what might be right. <laughs> so um, the kapha person would have a lot of water and earth in their constitution and the, in their body and, and in their mind, although maybe a little bit of a different constitution in the mind. And then a pitta person, which is fire and water, might be a little bit more red, maybe. maybe. Um, the eyes are a little different, a little smaller, sharp, and maybe a medium frame. And uh, pitta is responsible for digestion. The pitta, we'll say, or fire and water is responsible for digestion on all levels. So, you know, for anyone listening, digesting this information, we have to digest experiences, not just food and so forth. So pitta is responsible for digestion and for understanding. And then the vata is air and space. So it's the lighter of the three. And so someone with a lot of vata in their constitution, they may be more light built and small boned. They may, because of the lighter qualities that go with the elements of air and space, they may tend to get a little more ungrounded more quickly. The very creative vata rules the nervous system. So within an Ayurveda consultation, we always look at the nervous system. In other words, we always consider what is going on with vata dosha because she's always involved. 
And then there are signs and symptoms that we can we can look at that can help us draw the map even more to what might be the culprit. For example, someone might be depressed and they just don't feel like getting up and going. And it may be because of stagnation. They're just, there's an inactivity. So the 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 opposite, like I said, I think I said that oftentimes, or most of the time, we use the opposite qualities to balance. Mm-hmm. So if someone is is really lethargic and they just have a, a hard time getting up and getting going and they're a bit depressed, then movement, then stimulation is what they need. As opposed to if it's their diet that is really heavy, those same qualities, because like increases like. If someone's heavy and they're eating heavy foods, they'll feel heavy. Their mood might be heavy. So we want to lighten up. So if someone is feeling lethargic and depressed because of maybe the foods they're eating, then we'd want to bring in the lighter qualities in the foods. Maybe look, we would always look at their diet, but less meat or cheese or things that are heavy that would contribute to those, that inertia. And then, so it goes on like that. Mm-hmm. So let's say um, someone's very, a very high strung nervous mm. person mm. how would you calm that what would you do for something like that that's a great question because stress is our western culture right <laughs> you know it's very majestic I, it, 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 for those of us take a stretch yes well we'll get to the yoga part in a minute but everyone everyone downward dog okay <laughs> but uh just wanted to let you know that i'm Rhonda Feynman. we're listening you're listening to healthy options on weru community radio and we are speaking with deborah keen the founder and owner of the ayurveda yoga center located in liberty maine we're discussing ayurvedic medicine and yoga right here on weru so we just had a little stretch break Everyone, okay, back in your chairs. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the question was, what, how would we handle, how would we help someone who's really stressed and nervous or? Yes, sure. Yeah. So uh, w- we would certainly look at the nervous system. One of the quickest ways to calm the nervous system is by oiling the body. So that's a very important part of a daily practice. That in sounds Ayurveda. so nice. Yeah. Yeah, Did you drip the oil? That's Shiradhara, and that is also a very... But just oil massage, Just it's called Abhyanga. So often that is one of the front lines of stress management, is lots of warm oil, sesame oil, which is, which is a warm thermal temperature. It's warm, and it's heavy. So that is a really, generally speaking, a really good oil for uh, someone who's feeling ungrounded and just anxious and scared and so forth. So oiling the body with warm oil, oiling the feet for sure, even that maybe just oiling the feet. Um, one thing that can really unground, and again, this goes back to how it's important for us to live with the cycles and the rhythms. Vata or the nervous system rules the rhythms. It's the movement and respiration. And one thing that's very, very important for all of us, but certainly someone who has lighter qualities in their constitution, it's imperative that there is a consistent daily routine. And that means you get up at the same time every day, preferably 6, 6.30. And again, this is general for all of us, but certainly if someone is experiencing um, the anxiety and so forth, getting up at the same time every day and going to bed at the same time every day, preferably by 10, 10 between 10 and 11, 
eating at the same time every day. Mm. One of the quickest ways to become ungrounded is to have a, an inconsistent routine. So, and it's amazing. I mean, I've experienced this myself and people that I work with. It's amazing just that. The so not skipping that, that, meals. The, right. change, the, the change right. that can that can create for people. Right. And then when we look at foods again, if if there's the light, anxiety, insecurity, fear, sleeplessness, the bowels aren't moving well, then those lighter qualities have become aggravated or increased. So we want to bring in the opposites. So we said too the much heavy, heat. We want to bring in more heat. Oh. So the right, we want to if I vata there's there's thermal. So vata is cold. Oh. Cuff is cold, pit is warm. Oh, okay. So vata, so generally speaking, we would want to bring in heavier, moistening qualities to ground. Mm -hmm. Soups and stews, especially uh, for all of us in the winter. In the winter. But even now, even come spring, someone who's really having a hard time in that way would do well to still stay with warm, moist, cooked foods. Cooking begins the digestive process. So cooking in general helps aid in digestion. So someone who's, who's got a lot of vata in their constitution um, would want to be careful with too much raw, cold food, especially in the fall and the winter. Right, not a good idea for no, salads, not no, the time for no, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. So you would do that. Um, and where, how, how, is the, how do you integrate yoga into this picture? Well, yoga is a very important part of an Ayurvedic practice because with yoga, we can really work on the energetic level and we can clear channels and we can get things moving. So for someone, again, who's ungrounded, they would need things that are really grounding. So standing poses are very grounding and things that are not going to be moving really fast and really hard, you know, mild to moderate style practice, but something that is not going to be really, really fast paced, Mm -hmm. something that's got a nice rhythm to it. So vinyasa practice is very good where your breath and your movement is linked together. Is that what that is? Yeah. And you inhale, you're moving in one direction and you're exhaling and you're moving in another direction. Inversions are very calming. Uh, child's pose is a beautiful pose because it opens up the uh, the lower part of the body and all these doshas have different sites in the body. So vata dosha is located in, from the pelvis on down and a lot of times people can become constipated or their bowels aren't going well. So a child's pose is really a wonderful pose. Uh, leg up the wall pose is the queen of all restorative yoga poses or she's one of them mm-hmm. where you lie down Against your wall, Vibarita Karani, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even just lie down and put your calves on the couch, but you just invert your body, very settling. So that's Mm a, you know, sun salutation for all doshas, but sun salutation done in in a very rhythmic way. Quiet, Really thinking of the qualities that we want to bring in to to balance. So we want to bring in that fluid, gentle, smooth way of moving for vata, which would be different than what kapha needs. <laughs> so let's talk about that. You know, uh, well, uh, some of us have a vested interest in vata and pita yes, treatments. Yes, yes. Uh, but, okay, let's talk about kapha. Kapha. Okay. All those lovely so, kapha yeah. people in our lives. Yeah, <laughs> right. So kapha, so we're coming into kapha season. Which is? Which is late winter and spring. Really? Yeah. 
in, okay. in the Ayurveda medicine. In, yeah. How, how, why would you say that? And let's talk again, you know, for people who just tuned in, we are talking to uh, Deborah Keen about Ayurvedic medicine. Um, and she is the owner of the uh, founder of the Ayurveda Yoga Center in Liberty. Um, let's let's maybe a, a, just a little review again of 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 kapha is um moves slower kapha can move slower um kapha is <clears throat> it has you know there's a real steadiness and a sturdiness and it is again it forms the body it's the it's the fluids in this in the structure of the body, it provides stability. It provides sustained energy. I, I don't know why I'm getting the image of a wrestler somehow. A wrestler what or an think? elephant. Or an elephant. A, something okay. with a lot of, yeah. Something. Or a big oak tree. Yeah. Or Oprah Winfrey. Oh, Oprah. Okay. Yeah, those are, those are good, good examples of yes. how kapha shows up oh, okay. in people. And yeah. Well, we can do that with the other ones, too, just to give us the visual. That's great. Great. Okay. great. Yeah, so we're in kapha time. So, so in kapha time, so this time of year, things start to melt. And so things can get, this time of year, um, there can be excess mucus. And colds can come. And sickness. And kapha is main site is in the lungs, also in the stomach. So this time of year, we would want to address, like what I do in my practices in the spring, is address really clearing, getting getting out the excess mucus and sort of lightening up. And in, in Ayurveda, spring is known as the morning of the year. It's known as the king of all the seasons. And some say that there's a glitch this time of year with digestion because the digestive fire tends to be really weak right now. In general, sure, because it's just been right. very cold, right, and um, and very cold this year, in and particular. very cold this year, and very dry. Yes, very vata aggravating, cold and dry. So, for kapha, we would want to do some stimulating practices and moving more quickly through sun salutation, doing things to help expand the chest and clear out clear out the lungs. I just want to let everyone know that we both sat up very straight yes. when we said that. <laughs> sit up straight, everybody. Okay. Be rooted, but sit up straight. Right. Everyone right now. Pay attention. Okay, good. Yeah. So, um, so in the eating lighter, you know, if the winter, again, that's, that's, and we know this, I think most people probably know it's not just Ayurveda, but to live according to the seasons and look at to what's growing. So this time of year, soon we'll start to, we'll start to eat lighter, and we won't need the nuts and the seeds and the, as much oil and as much fat. And often it's it's a good idea to eat, uh, you know, a mono diet. So not so much a cleanse. Not cleanse isn't for everybody, but just really simple for a few days, just to give the digestive fire uh, a, ch- a chance to get bright. You know, think of it like a campfire. Mm-hmm. So we want a good, bright flame. So what kind of foods would you recommend for that? So, I mean, and is it too soon now? Are we waiting a few weeks? Well, you know, it isn't, except it's still so darn cold a, here in Maine. Right. It's really so, cold. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to, what I am doing is I'm looking more to digestive aid teas. So ginger is a really wonderful uh, spice. Mm-hmm. And if you have a lot of, if you have like acid reflux, so you've, you've got too much acidity, then fresh ginger is not going to bother. So a little bit of ginger tea or uh, one, one tea that I recommend 
a lot is called uh, CCFT or cumin, coriander, and fennel seeds. Mm. And you crunch them? Or no, you can, no, no. You just like what I do is I have a, a pan on my stove and I put the ah. seeds in there, and then I boil a quart of water. And I pour the water in and I let it steep and then I just leave the seeds in and I strain it throughout. Oh, that's beautiful. And it is a really, that's a pretty, what we call tridoshic. It's not going to aggravate if you've got too much heat or too much cold. It's a really kind of across the board good digestive aid tea. The other foods that we would want to be looking at, um, and Ayurveda, I don't know if this is a good time to go a little bit into nutrition. Sure. But Ayurveda's view of nutrition is based on the six tastes. So we definitely are concerned with, with the, the vitamin and mineral content, so to speak, but also the six tastes because they have the qualities. And again, Ayurveda is 90% qualities. Mm-hmm. So kapha's tastes, in other words, the tastes that are associated with kapha that build are the sweet taste and the sour taste, and the salty taste. And so if we balance with the opposites, and we're coming into a season where we're going to want to lighten up that, then we want to bring in more foods that have the bitter taste, a little bit more pungent Mm -hmm. and astringent. So just an example real quick of a sweet food. A sweet food is meat is sweet, potatoes and pasta is sweet. Carbohydrates are sweet. We know sugar is sweet and so forth, but, you know, those are the foods. So we might want to lighten that up on those foods. And, like, the berries are astringent. Mm-hmm. And the legumes uh, are astringent. And your bitter greens are bitter and astringent. You know, a lot of foods have more than one taste. Yes. So eating more veggies and... Mm, Adding spices and, you know, just lightening up on cheese, soft cheese as opposed to hard cheese. Someone really likes cheese, maybe instead of a, a cheddar, a mozzarella or a cottage cheese. I'm getting really hungry. <laughs> this sounds We're delicious. We're coming to that time. Yeah, it's delicious. Absolutely. Yeah. And what could be bad, right? This is, w- would you still do stews or cook foods? I do. I would. Mm-hmm. It's just still so cold. Yes. And again, because cooking already begins the digestive process, it's just easier. Right to cook. Now, if you're listening to this online, which you could be, and you're in Florida, you might have a different conversation. It might be a little bit different. It right. might be warmer, and so you would be maybe less stews and, and that Pot, kind of yeah, thing. So right. you would obviously be adapting to exactly. your, where you are. Yeah. Yes. But for us right. Mainers, right. keep the stews happening. And would you right. use uh, uh, the meat stews or vegetable stews? What do, do they recommend? Do you recommend meats? And well, you know, Ayurvedic cooking does not say it has to be vegetarian. And mm-hmm. it is good to be vegetarian, but it doesn't have to be. The main thing about Ayurvedic cooking is the, the cook, the energy that the cook brings to the food, that food is fresh. Fresh is best. Mm-hmm. So food that's not sitting around your on your counter for a week. I just looked at an avocado I have had sitting on my counter, and it, it's kind of gone by. So you know, I probably won't eat that. But <laughs> so fresh is best, and freshly pre- freshly cooked, prepared, and um, leftovers. We look at prana, this life force. You know, we we ingest prana in many ways. 
and including food. Food is the medicine. So we look at the life force and fresh food has the most prana. It's the most life-giving. So something that's in the refrigerator for, you know, we usually say no more than 24 hours old, right? up to 48. But after that, it's just lost its prana and then it can create toxins or what's called ama. It just congests gunk in the body and mm. so fresh is best. So it's really about in the way the food is cooked. So the mood of the cook, how it's cooked, fresh food. You know how it's prepared and how it's served. It's served as an offering. I mean, and you know, lives are busy and it's not always done that way. But that is the Ayurvedic view. It's it's a sacred thing unto itself. Mm. Yeah, and food is the medicine. And and you know, there's a there's an Ayurvedic proverb that says, when diet is wrong, medicine is of no use, and when diet is correct, medicine is of no need. So food. Food. is where it begins right and eating locally eating in season as we all know and certainly and I we're very privileged to, to be able to do that more here we sure are yeah yeah in our right yes so let's get a visual image of the vata pita people okay Just, so I, I love the you know yeah to, to have people have those visualizations? Well, well, like a vata, a vata animal could be like a gazelle. I think of a deer as ah, being vata. Okay, maybe a willow tree. Just something because vata generally is more slender. Um, not always, though. Again, but it, these are generalizations. Mm. So, um, like olive oil. If you if you used to watch Popeye, I don't know if anybody did. <laughs> olive oil would be a good representation of. A, <laughs> Of someone who has a lot of air and space in their constitution. They may move more quickly. They may move more erratically. They may have a hard time sitting still. Unbalanced, not imbalanced. Balanced, beautiful creativity and, and joy and enthusiasm. But out of balance, you know, dryness and, and mm-hmm. um, more prone to the, the lighter qualities of anxiety and insecurity and fear. And sleep troubles and mm-hmm. and bowel troubles. Again, general generalization. Speaking, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what foods would you recommend? So, so the foods that help balance. Oh, let me just say the taste. The taste. The correspond to vata are the bitter, astringent, and pungent, which means that if we look at like increases like. And in the fall and winter, if we eat too many foods with those tastes, then we will become more ungrounded and more dry and more cold. So we want to use the opposite tastes, which are the sweet and the sour and the salty. The sweet and the sour and the salty tastes in general build. They're nourishing. They're building. They build structure in the body. They, breathe, they build tissues. And we want to often do that for someone with, with a really aggravated vata dosha. Whereas someone like kapha, we, the bitter taste and the astringent taste and the pungent taste, they're reducing, they're lightening. Mm-hmm. So that's how we, that's how what, we balance. What would be a, a good quality sh- sweet taste? I mean, do you sweet potatoes? So I was using car- carrots. Carrots. What, so you're beets, looking at that. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. So then pitta, I think you asked, like, what would be mm-hmm. a representation mm-hmm. of pitta? I think of a tiger as being pitta-like. Mm. And um, maybe Popeye 
<laughs> if we go back to the pitta, <laughs> you know, pitta is the is is the heat. Pitta is the only one that's got heat to it. So pitta brings the heat and it brings mm-hmm. the luster to the skin. Mm-hmm. And pitta people with a lot of pitta in their constitution, they often make wonderful leaders. They can really get things done. They know how to. They know how to get things done. And uh, be be the head of a team. And here you do this, and you do this. Uh, they they are able to understand things, not more easily, but sometimes they can grasp quick grasp line. things quick. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, beautiful qualities to Pitta. Unbalanced though, when there's an aggravated, when there's too many of those hot oily qualities, then Pitta people again. People with a lot of, you know, with this, this more of those qualities in their constitution be, can become, their imbalances may show up as skin rashes, inflammation, more edgy, more irritable, mm-hmm. more, you know, angry, more prone to uh, short temper, um, diarrhea. And again, these are, these are generalizations because someone with a lot of vata imbalance can also have diarrhea, you know, irritable sure. bowel, but... Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and a, a perfect, what I think of as a perfect vata food would be like popcorn. Really? You think of not to help but balance, but just the qualities and the elements that vata has. It's light. Oh, I see. It's dry. It's airy. It's, ah. it's mobile. You know, if the wind came, it'd move it really f- quickly. Right. So if someone, again, if someone is, is having... A lot of feeling ungrounded and restless and not able to sleep well and they've got some anxiety. I had a little bit of anxiety coming here today. <laughs> you know, I had some warm milk with some herbs and some cinnamon and some nutmeg for my breakfast this Yummy. morning. To just ground, again, bringing in those nourishing, calming, sweet, warm tastes. So popcorn, I see, is a food like if someone is is uh, having an aggravated vata dosha, eating things that are dry and Aggra- rough. Aggravates it more. Yes. So we want to moisten them up and ground them down. And we do that with, with the heavier foods and more the sweet taste and the warm and the moist. Mm-hmm. And pitta, like in the summertime when pitta is uh, predominant because of the heat here in Maine, I think of a of a of a meal that would really aggravate someone with a lot of pitta in their constitution would be a Mexican meal with a lot high, hot spicy stuff and beer. That would that would be probably what they're craving, and it could be. It mm-hmm. very well could be. Mm-hmm. We sometimes, you know, that we say that we're either cycling one way or the other. When we're in balance, we crave those things that will help maintain that but as we move out of balance we start to crave those things that keep us moving in that swirl so um and then kapha food kapha to me a classic kapha food is is ice cream because you just look at the qualities i mean this was one of the very first things i learned if i understood the qualities of things then I'll be able to do my work with my with the people who come to me. So ice cream is cold and it's oily and it's smooth and it's heavy and it's dense. Right. So if, if a person with a lot of earth and water in their constitution and they're just having a hard time getting going, they're just kind of, oh, you know, 
eating eating that is just going to make them more energetically that way. So again, you want to bring in the opposites. So the that for them that would be a, what would that be? Again, a salad or uh, yeah, salads or mm-hmm. you know veggies, uh, just okay, things that just have the, the cooked. Uh, yes, something that more expansive. The green leafies, right? You know, I do want to say that we're that uh, those who just tuned in and those who are still listening, um, you're listening to Healthy Options at WERU Community Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and we're speaking with Deborah Keene, an Ayurvedic practitioner, and we're learning all about the principles and benefits of Ayurvedic medicine and yoga. This is so fascinating. Thank you, Deb, for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> so we're getting ready for lunch, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. And lunchtime, you know, again, the best time to eat the biggest meal of the day is between 10 and 2. Like these oh, really? doshas, okay. there's, there's times of day... Oh. There's seasons, there's life cycles. So because pitta is fire and water and pitta is digestion, pitta time is between 10 and 2. Okay. That's AM and PM. AM. So, oh, AM and PM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vata time is, um, is 2 to 6. Both AM and PM. So and kapha time is 6 to 10. So that's why we say getting up closer to vata time just to go back and i know i i'm probably giving maybe i'm giving too much information um but just to go back if like increases like with these qualities then if we get up in kapha time kapha is more slow and sluggish and then we're gonna we're gonna have a harder time waking up and getting going and that's six to ten and that is six to ten so you know they say we should get up in closer to 6, 6.30, and come summertime, when the sun comes up, it's That's like 4 easier. o'clock. <laughs> 4, 4.30. So don't early. sleep late. Oh. No, it's not good. And even if we don't sleep at night, it's still, we want to keep the same rhythm. So we want to try to still get up at the same time, even if we just fell asleep at 2 in the morning, we still want to get up at 6 and then still go to bed around the same time. That is, you know, if if people don't, retain anything that is just one of the most important things for me for people to to take away is the importance of this rhythmic this daily routine consistent daily routine and the importance of that yeah hmm. let's just let that sink in everybody yeah routine as people are grabbing breakfast and lunch on the go and oh and that our, is our, a, our uh, right that brings me to yeah dr Vasant lad and a lot mm-hmm. of people um are familiar with him he he said he would rather see somebody eating a big mac from mcdonald's <laughs> if they were sitting quietly and eating mindfully than someone eating an ayurvedic dish like kitchery uh, while driving the car i mean that's the importance the way we started this morning with just mm. the sitting, that's the way we want to approach anything that we need to digest, really, uh, including eating. So what you just said, yeah, we in our culture, and it's just the way life goes for a lot of us sometimes, eating on the go, but it's that will create imbalances over time. And the lighter the constitution, the more quickly that will happen. Right. Yeah. So take time for lunch. Have take, a real lunchtime. Take time, eat in a pleasant environment, sit, chew, be mindful, breathe. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Let's do it. Change change all those habits. Mm-hmm. And then people, some people have to be sitting there going, oh, that's exactly what I did. Well, yeah. Good. Yeah. Then good. that's good. We'll watch you and learn. And it's amazing what will happen with digestion. There are so many signs of digestive issues. And, you know, all diseases, of course, it begins in the mind. So that's why the mind is always looked at in Ayurveda. Um, and meditation is a very important path. It's very important practice. And in the yoga practice uh, at some point, we have to have a little bit of that stillness, mindfulness time, even if it's for a minute, because we can only go so far without that. Mm-hmm. But the importance of really taking that time to, to be quiet, whatever, whether we're sitting and doing this, preparing for something, eating, um, because digestion is the first thing, one of the first things that gets disturbed. Gas and bloating and constipation and diarrhea and the noises in the stomach and the, and the pain. Pains. And, you know, I certainly can, I've had my, my times when my digestion has been very off. And it's amazing, two weeks of that CCFT, <laughs> that cumin, coriander, fennel, CT. Oh, oh CCFT. The CCF, that cumin, coriander, fennel, CT. Uh-huh. is uh, just to sip on that throughout the day or having like warm water with a little lemon and this time of year yes. adding a little slice of ginger Yes, and drinking that 20 minutes before a meal. Uh-huh. It's very, it's a wonderful way. And when that we, stimulates it digestion. stimulates digestion, it starts to get the fire stoked and gets the body awake and prepares for digestion. Can that ever be too warming? For someone, how would you know if that was too warming for somebody? So someone who runs really hot, especially in the summer, Mm -hmm. and they have rashes or they've just got this heat and there's this inflammation, then warm water, hot water may not be a good idea. It might be better to have warm Mm -hmm. because in Ayurveda we say no cold drinks. That right. puts out the fire, no matter what. No cold drinks. No right. I, or no ice and no drinks. Ice I should drinks. Say. No right. ice and drinks. No ice and drinks. And that's what you get first thing when you go out to a restaurant. Right. You get the bread and you get the ice and the drinks. And that right there sets the stage for a low-burning digestive fire. Yeah. So someone with a lot of heat would be um, warm water maybe with lime. It's not quite so sour. Mm-hmm. The sour taste can disturb pitta. So something that's not quite so sour, a little lime, or even just warm water, just sipping warm water. And again, it depends depends on the situation and on the person, but there's always ways to tweak. And teas, water and teas, I love using teas and herbs and spices for teas. It's just a really across-the-board way to address quite a bit. Yes. Yes, and um, how do you... Uh, I said you, you talked about being a, a certified Ayurvedic yoga practitioner. What, is, what does that mean? How would you, do you um, prescribe yes. um, asanas, mm-hmm. you know, particular postures? Right, yeah. You know, right. Two minutes of child's pose for you. Right. Yes. No, for you, five <laughs> downward well, dogs. It, could, it, could be like, it is, it could be like that. But it's also the breathing practices. You know, in my classes, I always combine, I always take into account my Ayurvedic background because as the seasons change, as the weather changes, as things in our life change, then our practices want to change. Yoga was just like Ayurveda, never began as a one size fits all. 
So it really is individualized. And even within classes, it can be individualized. People can can learn ways to modify within that group setting. But when we work, when I work one-on-one with someone who's coming with certain conditions, I can get very specific to things that they need, not just through diet and lifestyle and herbs and daily routines, but also this part, the, the yoga practice. So again, someone someone that is, uh, say, that has a lot of heat, for example. They're running really hot and they're really agitated and their liver hurts. Uh, standing poses with legs wide apart and straight is one way to help clear heat from the channels. And belly down back bend, um, belly down back bends can help move some heat from the organs. You mean you're lying on lying your in mat. your belly? Yeah, like mm-hmm. a bow or a mm-hmm. cobra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and twists. Again, we want all of these different parts of a yoga practice. It's just what will be emphasized and how. Yes. And we look to what's going on again because we are so deeply tied to nature. All we have to do is look to what's going on outside to really help us understand what also is going on inside. So what I mean by that, just staying with heat, in the summer, if it's really hot, and this happens to me, I have plants that, that um, are on my deck, and when it's really hot, they get, you know, no matter how much I water, come the middle of the day, because of where they're located, they dry out, they wilt. Well, that same thing happens to us. I mean, that's just a good Mm -hmm. example. It's like, oh, yeah, those flowers are dry. That's dry. Then I also, if I've been out in the hot sun, then I also am dry. I need to drink. And the same with the cold. If we're out in the cold a lot and it's windy, well, those conditions are going to be within us too. The windy, the movement, too much movement. Then that will aggravate vata because vata is the movement. It's the wind. So, so in order to balance that, you would do a more quiet pose, right? Right. For that individual, right? So, someone, someone who maybe maybe they've been traveling a lot, a lot of movement, and the, or maybe they've just been so worried. There's a lot of movement in their mind. Then maybe one of the most important things would be stillness, just being quiet and still. I mean that that would be the medicine. Sure. The medicine is the opposites of what is the culprit in the first place that so we really look at where did the root where did this stem from why is your skin dry is it because of inflammation too much heat interior or is it because it's really dry and we need more oil in the body and on the board and on the body like that so you are definitely looking at the individual and doing medicine and teaching and teaching techniques yeah. to yeah. to actually make that a successful yeah. thing, you know, it's you know, just it, be still. <laughs> you say to a, uh, uh, a totally right. just sit still. Weird. I mean, that's hard. Even yes, for me sometimes right. I can't just sit down. I need to move my body a bit. Then right. I can get quiet. Yeah, right. Yep. Yes, just be different than you are. Right. That's the thing that I really um, that excites me the most about this medicine in. I first learned about this in ni- in the 80s, mid-80s. And since then, it's just made so much sense, everything that I was interested in. And it's it's so empowering because it really helps teach us how to take care of ourselves. And that's what excites me the most is because we all know this stuff. It's just teasing it out or helping us remember. And it just makes so much sense to, to, to um, when we think of the, the qualities 
and what's going on around us. I mean, one of my assignments was, and this was probably the most important practice of school, was I had to keep a journal of everything that I ate, what I ate, what I watched on TV, the people I were around, uh, and so forth. What you know, what my mood was, how I was feeling, how, and it, it really helped me to make the connections, which Ayurveda does so beautifully between the way I live and how I feel. So I, I'm a, I'm a woman like anyone else. I, you know, I veer off the path, but I know what to do to bring me back. And it's up to me to do those things to bring me back. But I know I have that. I have those tools. So that's very empowering. That's what excites me the most when I am with people is just to really help share this knowledge of how to take care of themselves and really understand their uniqueness. We're different. You know, what you need and what I need mm-hmm. um, are similar and yet probably different in this moment. So Right. So we're... We're, uh, if you've just tuned in, we're, uh, li- you're listening to Deb- Deborah Keen. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner. And I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is Healthy Options on WERU. And we have uh, a few more minutes as we, uh, as we continue exploring the uh, topic of Ayurvedic medicine and yoga. And if anyone does want to get a hold of uh, Deb, um, the website or... Mm-hmm. Is, is, is I have a way? website. It's ayurvedayogacenter.com. And Ayurveda is spelled A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A, yogacenter.com. Great. Yeah. Um, to, tell me tell me again, when you, when you have classes, um, are, do you start with the meditation? And so you're able, for a yoga class, for instance, mm-hmm. you're able to balance, how do you structure it between stillness and movement do you mm-hmm. have a is there uh, you see who's there or <laughs> or do you yes, have an idea you right know? it is it's all of that it's all of that we always begin the way we began here and we'll probably end that way too yeah, in a that few would minutes be we're great, not there yet i i end that way too so that would be wonderful um maybe a little bit longer if you missed but it just, earlier right <laughs> um so we we always begin with that and then we move into it depends it depends on the weather it depends on the day it depends on the season it depends on me (laughs) it depends on what what the folks who come to class I often say what do you need what do you want today and so together we we build our practice um and it includes the different components of a yoga practice so there's standing postures and I I've studied many lineages. I just like that flow. We do hold, there is stillness, but I, I hold more to the Desikachar lineage. What, uh, what is that? Which is, well, the breath, but there's, there's a fluidity. There's um, a vinyasa. That there is vinyasa with, with other practices as well. Ashtanga mm-hmm. is a vinyasa. You know, there are. And that there has is, to do with uh, the breath and yoga and the posture. Linking. Right, linking. So breathing in and moving in one direction, breathing out, moving in another. Right, right. Okay. yeah. So I like, I like the fluidity. I like the flow. And it's very, it's very calming for the nervous system. Sometimes in the fall and the winter, we just do this, this steady rhythmic flow, kind of a moderate, mild to moderate pace, which is very soothing. It's very, very soothing for the nervous system. But in classes in general, we do... 
often the sun salutation and standing postures and balancing and then we'll do sitting postures and we'll do some sort of an inversion posture and we include twists we always end in shavasana and rest and it depends on the time of year someone with a lot of ungroundedness would do well to rest more be very very warm maybe with a blanket over their pelvic area vata's main site again is the colon and the legs the the pelvic area and down so you know keeping that keeping that soothed um kapha people or again someone not kapha people but someone that might have a kapha imbalance would do well to have a little bit of a shorter shavasana they don't need quite so much of that stillness sometimes kapha needs stimulation uh-huh so you might adapt that to yeah. to who's who's in the room who's mm-hmm. in the room with you Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, though, for for almost everybody, the stillness, doing some sort of balance. There's of all always, of yes, those. yeah. We breathe. There's different breathing. What we started with is Dhiragata Pranayama. It's the foundation of all the yogic breathing practices. That complete yogic breath, where we're filling the bottom of the trunk first and then lifting the breath up. So that is always there. We begin that way every class. And every time I've given a talk, I don't remember any time I've never not started in this way. Thank goodness we got to do that. I know. I, I was happy. not feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Get me off my rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that. Well, maybe we could take a, a minute or two okay. now. I know sure. we're getting to the end. But yeah. um, okay. I, I will do. Um, tell you that... Um, we are, you're listening to a WERU and Healthy Options. And I want to thank uh, our guest, Deb, Deb Keen. Oh, looks like we're really ending right now. I guess oh, yeah. we, we didn't done. have a chance well, to you. do our uh, meditation, but maybe right on the way out we can do it. You can contact her to 207-589-4254. And thanks for joining us today. So let's oh, just do a quick you're, breath. You're, we you're just welcome. have a, a minute or so. I thank mean, a, so a few much. seconds. Okay. So, so we're just sitting or standing or lying down and just relaxing the shoulders, relaxing the belly, just softening, feeling whatever the body is in contact with, breathing in and out, just nice and easy, no strain, just breathing into the low belly and the low back, feeling the ribs flare as the breath moves up, expanding into the chest and the upper back through the neck and the head, and just back out again, Well, there just you like go. that. So, thank you. Thank you so much. That was it. That was uh, Deborah Keene. I'm Rhonda Feynman. If, thank you, Amy Brown, for engineering. Thank you, Petra Hall, for your production assistance. And um, I'm Rhonda Feynman, wishing you the best of your health. Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and